Decades on, the topic of North Korea remains a touchy subject. The world has passed judgment. The country is beyond repair. Our preconceived ideas about the Democratic People's Republic of North Korea remain firmly in place. An erratic Orwellian regime, paranoid schizophrenic, a place of modern-day gulags. And then there's the country's nuclear arsenal, a threat that makes the self-proclaimed innocent nations of the world tremble with fear. Did you, what, what's your, did you have any weird road gigs? What's the weirdest place you ever did a gig? <sighs> wow, I mean, probably cut and shoot Texas, and where actually we wrestled, well, the, the locker room was a barn. Yeah. With, with complete with chicken. <laughs> Wait, this was cut and shoot Texas? Was that the and name of the show? Or that, was- that is the name of the town. There is a ah. town called Cut and shoot Texas. So you were on the card in a barn. Was, yeah. Was it a real ring or was it a makeshift? It was ring? a real ring. It was yeah. because it was they, they made it was like a rodeo arena. Okay. So you guys basically got changed in the stalls like oh. like cattle. <laughs> <laughs> so that was that was a strange one, you know, and just because it's, you get you know anything outside the ring or even in the locker room, you're going to get dirty. Yeah. Uh, I also did an opening for uh, a new Walmart mm-hmm. where they wouldn't let us go change in the store so that somebody went to the sporting goods and they had a bad guy tent and a good guy tent. <laughs> so basically that was the locker room. So when your music hit, you were, you unzip yourself from the tent and you go to the ring. <laughs> right on key, right on the yeah, music drop. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> back to the locker room and then you zip back in and then the fans following you to the locker room. It's like, where'd he go? It's like, he's just in the tent right there. Yeah, so... That was that was a strange one too. No, uh, but yeah, nothing like South Korea. Right, I'm North, sorry, North Korea. North Korea. Yeah, wrong Korea. Yeah, dude. So it was a big deal. It would be a big deal right now, but it still was a big deal back then, right? Because you know Rodman got a lot of press for just going to and Korea, playing basketball. Yeah, hanging out with Kim Jong Un. Yeah. So so just to think back then is just like the opportunity to go to. I mean, not only, you know, just this part of the world that's completely cut off from reality mm-hmm. just to go in there. I didn't realize how you forget that you don't equate the danger that comes with it because they're, you know, it quickly became a matter of life and death. Which, it seemed like it. Yeah. And it seemed like Bischoff was pretty uh, flippant about just going and doing it. Hey, let's go do this show in this country that wants to kill us. Yeah. And he, I don't think he had any issue of just because the thought of like they're going to have the biggest wrestling show and he was going to do something that Vince McMahon couldn't do. You know, and this is before they started winning in the ratings war. So he was trying to do everything to make it, you know, WCW. Remember, he's trying to get away from the WCW, you know, <laughs> that regional feel. And like yeah. this is an international organization. Well, we go all over the world, and including Korea. Yeah. So, but uh, I did laugh at, uh, you know, his story of just like, of course, Antonio Inoki, which he's a legend, like in wrestling, you know, Antonio Inoki, like you just know him. And he basically had that, he had that energy and that aura about him when he went in there, you know, for me back then, just, it was like, if you thought of Japan, you thought of Inoki, if you thought of Mexico, you thought of Mil Mascaras. Like you had these legends and he was the, 
you know, the Japanese legend. So mm-hmm. uh, I can see why they jumped at that opportunity to for him. Because remember, Inoki did that thing with Muhammad Ali and basically had the first MMA of just basically boxer versus wrestler. Oh, I don't remember that. Yeah. I they mean, had a match. They had a match. An- Anoki versus uh, Muhammad Ali in Japan. They had that match. Oh, wow. You know, and that was basically very cutting edge back then. And, you know, because... Muhammad Ali, obviously, he was always a huge wrestling fan, and if you and if you listen to any of his uh, interviews, I think he basically realized that he kind of went, you know, and used Gorgeous George a lot of times and other wrestling personalities to basically create that aura. Right, I think he, he took a lot of his showmanship from wrestling. He did, yeah. So wrestling. To, so he he got that. He knew how to cut a promo. He knew how to sell tickets. So to have basically Antonio Inoki and Muhammad Ali as part of this show, of course, you're just like, you're going to have the biggest show in the world with two international legends. Could have been three, but Hogan said, can't make that one, brother. (laughs) Like Hogan had no interest in going there. Like it sounds like he just cut it off pretty fast. Yeah. But it would have been a big deal, you know, because Hogan was huge in Japan. Like he was really, he was very well known. So like basically within that whole. What year was this again? Uh, the, the collision in Korea? Early 90s? Yeah, yeah. That was like 90, 95. Right. Yeah, it was I mean, So who who had the belt in WWE at that point, I guess I was trying to think of? Uh, so that would have been... Shawn Michaels? That would have been, yeah. That would have been right... Or Brett, you know? Yeah. The screw job was a little earlier, so it would have... Yeah, it would have been around... Uh, they were probably floating it around Yokozuna, Undertaker, Brett. Yeah. Kind of floating the belt back and forth mm-hmm. before... Uh, the boyhood dream came true. So yeah, they were still kind of rediscovering, you know, it was the tail end of, you know, McMahon's steroid trial. So they were experimenting, uh, you know, because, and this was the generation that I was kind of weirdly a part of. Right. There was the superstars error, and then there was the attitude error. We're squeezed in between there was this small window called just the new generation. Mm-hmm. And no one talks about that. So uh, I like to think that I, I tell people all the time I was holding the wrestling business back. Yeah. Because as soon as I left, the attitude error began. That special's uh, coming, though. The new generation era. Yeah, because yeah, it's just like that was when they were basically trying to rediscover who they are. Yeah. Uh, but And WCW Hogan had not turned heel yet. No, no, not yet. No, he was still the the red and yellow. Yeah. Uh, so I was surpri- it would have been a big deal to have him. Uh, but to have Ric Flair, too, also, you know, international presence. I mean, Ric Flair is, you know, not only is he the national treasure now, and he's still in 2021 getting the recognition he deserves, but he had that international presence, too. Yeah. So, like, he was known as well. So to have him in that main event totally makes sense. You know, Bischoff was talking about in this episode that, you know, Ric Flair kind of got his feelings hurt that he was asked second, which, you know, it's still very debatable of just like who's the greatest of all time because, you know, Hogan sold a lot of tickets. But I mean, if you, if you look at like Ric Flair's, I I think I recently saw a posting of like the NWA's like schedule and how many times Ric Flair actually had to go to all these different territories and wrestle. And it, and it really was the, I wrestle seven days a week and twice on Sundays. Like that was a shoot. And you know, Ric Flair, when he was going in there, he was wrestling, 
he's going, you know, Broadway sometimes. Yeah. So it was just like he's at 60 minute time limit draws. So it's not like he's going in there, you know, for five minutes. You know, these aren't Goldberg matches where Spear, Jackhammer win. You know, Flair was out there wrestling and taking bumps. Mm -hmm. So, and he was so, he was well respected. uh, And obviously he had, you know, history in Japan as well. So I think it made sense for him to be in the main event of two of the biggest wrestling shows of all time. I thought it was great that it was just like, it ended with Bischoff basically saying, you know what, you go to Wikipedia and it says the two biggest wrestling shows of all time were basically WCW shows in North Korea, even though they made $0 at the gate. Yikes. You know, so, but they still had... 170,000 people. But it's just like, hey, man, the best way to get an audience, how do you sell tickets? Well, we don't. Well, you can make them go by gunpoint. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I guess um, just to double back on the show here, how did Bischoff even pull this off? He just decided to do it, and there was – it didn't – I feel like it didn't make it clear on the show. How can you just do that without jumping through any – uh, you know, hoops of uh, international amnesty or whatever. He didn't jump through the hoops. He kind of like Anoki was the one because Anoki was big uh, in the political scene in Japan. So this was basically uh, a world peace political thing more than it was a, a promoted wrestling show. So he kind of just like hitched his wagon to Anoki's doing, but he didn't, he said in there, he didn't go to the state department to get approval. He just yeah. went and did it. Yeah. So, like, he had no – they probably would have not let him do it, truth be told, yeah. right? So he he skipped all the hoops. I mean, he went – man, typical wrestling is just like, you know, back in the territory days, you had these outlaw promotions that you skipped all the red tape, the lo- skipped all the hoops, didn't get the licensed wrestlers and ran a show anywhere. He basically did that in North Korea. He, yeah. did, he ran an outlaw show. <laughs> That's so crazy to me. Yeah, and just like the thought of just, and they knew, like listening to the boys talk about when they got, had to go to Japan and then they got on this plane that basically did not look safe to fly. Yeah. Because it was just one of the old North Korea planes. North Korean military plane from like World War II? Yeah, and just think, you have Ric Flair in there who broke his back in a plane crash Mm -hmm. in the 70s, basically getting on this plane that, doesn't look like it should be in the sky. Yeah. That's right there. It's just like Ric Flair is a legend. <laughs> yeah. It's like, he's been in a plane crash and then would you go on? I was like, ah, I've kind of been through this plane crash thing and broke my back. I'll, I'll pass on this one. But he, he still went and it's just like, that's when they said they basically knew that this wasn't going to be like a regular trip. Yeah. You know, and I remember hearing like when you go to North Korea, they have like all these like store shops that are just basically, fronts like almost like hollywood sets and where they have like it looks like there's food in there but you realize it's like cardboard cutouts yeah, it's kind of like a home alone thing they got going yeah cardboard cutouts to make it seem like that it's uh, people working on computers with fake screens oh my god man and just like it's it's terrifying to yeah. think that's just like wow they really like this is like some kind of weird truman show mm-hmm. i did like the story of uh bischoff you know skipping his handler and just like decided to go jogging and you know he ran into some of the locals and they basically shit bricks when they saw him running yeah <laughs> that it was just like it's got to be very surreal like who is this and why is he running through the streets yeah and especially when you've been told for your whole life that any american is the devil yeah 
And now you got one that's probably running through your neighborhood yeah. in shorts. <laughs> or, you know, he's probably had a fanny pack and Zubaz. And that's, <laughs> you know, you had the typical, even though it was late 90s, you know, wrestlers are usually 10 years too late. And then it comes back in fashion. They're wearing Zubaz. They're tucked into their cowboy boots and they got a fanny pack. Yeah. So he's probably running through the streets and that. Uh, but this episode was interesting, too, because what I did, uh, the what I never heard of this whole show was the whole thing with Two Cold Scorpio and Road Warrior Hawk, where basically it sounds like they got in three different fist fights yeah. over this show. Like, I had no idea that this even happened. Yeah, so how much stock can we put in Two Cold Scorpio's account of these events? Man, it's just like I know a lot of the, you know, if you listen to other shows, uh, you know, there was a lot of people that were really fired up over the way he kind of presented. Like he was just, you know, some, he just basically kept beating the crap at a road warrior hawk. Yeah. You know? And then they said Hulk, you know, Hawk was basically, you know, he was an admitted, you know, steroid user, pain pill user. He was on all different types of pills yeah. they were talking about. So he basically, was not himself because obviously you're not going to smuggle all of these drugs in there. They won't even let you hold your passport. Right. So he was probably bugging out a little bit. Yes. Yeah, so Having withdrawals maybe. Yeah. He might not have been in the right frame of mind. So I don't know there. So it's, it's very possible that, you know, this is a, you know, a wrestling fishing story that he once caught a fish this big, mm-hmm. but I mean, look, there's just like, you hear the stories all the time of the badasses eventually getting their comeuppance sure whether it's just like you know you've heard of you know you know jbl getting knocked out you've heard of uh some of the other stories of just like the badasses like rick steiner tried to take liberties with this local guy who happened to be an mma fighter and the guy held his own the only one you never heard that with was haku you've never heard anybody (laughs) taking liberties with that so it's very possible that you know too cold was able to take a shot or get a shot in I'm not saying that's not true. Yeah. What was the most disturbing part to me was in this episode and in that story, Chris Benoit was the voice of reason where basically two cold Scorpio dropped one of the stainless steel chopsticks and he started like sharpening it like a shiv Mm -hmm. where he was basically going to stab road warrior Hawk and got talked out of it by Chris Benoit. Yeah. I don't know why to me that was very eerie. Mm-hmm. You know, knowing what was going to happen years later. Yeah, I mean, that, that is just like the voice of reason was Chris Benoit. Right. I was just like, no, you can't stab him. And look, Chris Benoit was in that case. He was, he probably saved Two Cold Scorpio's life. Yeah. Because there's a very good chance. I mean, if they were going to kill Scott Norton over hitting a pool ball off the table, what do you think they're going to do to somebody who commits murder or tries to, or at least assault with a chopstick? Yeah. He would have, he definitely would have been died. So it was actually a pretty big miracle that there was not an international incident. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that would have been a complete disaster, obviously. But I guess the eeriness comes out of, you know, it's sort of like, I don't know how to describe it. And it's hard to talk about Benoit in any kind of tasteful way. You know, yeah, but it's just one of those moments where, like, uh, it's like, uh, oh, Jeffrey Dahmer makes a cameo in something, and it's like when you know how this person's life is gonna go, right? And you see them, oh, they stopped a fight or possibly saved someone's life, it's just like a, a chilling moment, you know, yeah, because it just goes to like who is the real Benoit at that right. point, you know, because uh, you know, at, at one point, you know, it's not like he was walking around as like a a raving lunatic, no. you know, and just like, and if you talk to like his good friends and, 
you know, Chris Jericho and, and, you know, Dean Malenko, the people that really knew him, they knew him as the good man and the good father, you know, so who's to say, you know, of course he's trying to like, look out, you know, wrestling's a brotherhood and you're in, in foreign lands, you stick together, you yeah. try to protect each other. He did what, you know, a good wrestler, a good brother would do. Yeah. So, but, but let's just say I got to play devil's advocate here. Yeah. Um, no one is around to contradict Too Cold Scorpio's account of the events. Okay. And he's yeah. definitely putting himself over yeah. in his version of the story. Yes. So, yeah, that's exactly. It's just like there was nobody there to verify except Scott Norton, you know, yeah. because he was, you know, he was a Minnesota guy, just like those Minnesota guys. I mean, they put out a lot of wrestlers in that, that high school class, just to think that Kurt Angle. You know, uh, Rick Rude, Road Warrior Hawk, you know, Scott Norton, those, that whole crew, you know, Demolition, uh, Smash, you know, and they, everybody basically said that Hawk was a badass. And we yeah. saw the Dark Side episode. Where oh, we yeah. talked about he was like a real street fighter. So, yeah, to, to hear that story of just like, but, you know, I guess everybody can get that one punch, mm-hmm. you know, and somebody hasn't, you know, there's always a puncher's chance. But you're right. Nobody was there to verify what really happened. Mm-hmm. The other eerie part of this is just like you know talking about anoki you know with his you know his mentor was ricky dozan right yeah you know he was basically a huge you know he was his a legend japanese but he was korean and he was later murdered but you know murdered right by the yakuza is that how you say the uh, japanese yeah i think mafia? you're saying it right yeah and he was murdered by them and it's just like so to hear that Basically, that kind of gives Anoki that connection to the Korean audience where the Americans and none of the other wrestlers there were really getting over, right? The crowd was... And look, the traditionally, the, the Japanese audience, they're, they're very polite almost. They'll give you the polite applause. Yeah. But they will acknowledge when you do something that's worthy of their attention. And these... Everybody in the crowd, from what it sounds like, they didn't know what to even make of this. But to Anoki's credit, he found a way to connect with this audience who's disconnected from the entire world. Yeah. Where they were actually, now that's talent, man. Yeah. That's the showmanship that, look, when you're a good wrestler, it doesn't matter, you know, what kind of bumps you can take or what kind of moves you can do. You need that connection to the audience. You need the audience to care about you, either wanting to boo you or wanting to cheer you. You know, a wrestler's death is quiet. Yeah. So he found a way to do that, and it's just like because of his mentor who was actually – he was murdered by the Yakuza, but he was of Korean descent. Yeah. You know, so it's just like there was – I don't know. It's just like this is like a serious like kind of like spy mystery of just like you have this person with political aspirations no, yeah, that should, was a future wrestler. to a movie and have Ben Affleck directed. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> it's just like you need that Argo-type movie, right? Mm-hmm. It's just like – and just knowing that – you know, Ricky Dozan's last words were something about like long live Korea kind of thing as he was getting murdered by the Japanese, you know, mafia. But it was just, I was impressed by the episode and, you know, and that basically Bischoff had the grapefruits to -hmm. basically say, I'm going to skip the state department and I'm just going to go get my name in the record books. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, props to him. So, but yeah, it was to me, it was, it was a really strong episode. I enjoyed it. Yeah, it was really good. I did have one note. I thought the, <laughs> I, I thought the music was a little weird this time. Did you notice the music? 
I it, didn't. It, it, uh, they went for a very, you know, eerie, I guess, maybe horror vibe, and it sounded a lot like a Tim Burton movie. <laughs> and that's just, a, that's just a minor thing I thought was funny. But, I mean, yeah, it was a strong episode. Yeah. And, and look, maybe it, it, it maybe should have had that Tim Burton feel because basically you're going into this anti-fun house where it's just like you can't watch, you know, you go to sit and you can't really watch TV because it's just all this state-run TV or like these fake front shows and like you... You know they're listen. They're monitoring your calls, and you can see you just like you're waiting for some snake long neck. Yeah, Scott Norton said he called his wife, and they were listening in, right? Oh yeah, and they called the hotel like a shithole. Which, hey man, is just like if you know wrestlers, we've we've stayed in Mm shitholes. So it's not that's nothing against the country. We've stayed in shitholes all over the world. Yeah. (laughs) So for him to say that, and basically, man, they brought him into an interrogation room for that. (laughs) <laughs> and it's just like how like terrifying was it? And then you had the, you know the the Japanese boys that basically were trying to like calm him down, like because you know he was probably all gassed up, and it's just like you have these like probably pretty small guys in comparison to someone like Scott Norton, who's yeah. like basically a, a a giant power lifter and strongman, and getting pushed around, and you basically can't do anything because it's not your turf, yeah, you know, and you can get taken out and it doesn't matter how big you are, you know, you can get a bullet to the head. Like he said, I'm guessing the the dudes back then weren't super knowledgeable about international relations. <laughs> no. you know? uh, yeah. I don't think they had a, uh, in wrestling college, if they had international business, business lay <laughs> on how to pull that off, you know? So you had the, I'm sure you had some fixers, but that you, you know, you need that, those fixers in that local area, but how do you get a fixer for something like North Korea? And then the food, like, how would you eat the food? Like, you don't know, like, would you trust the food at that point? Or did they basically, was this a scene out of like Indiana Jones that you have to eat whatever, you know, local delicacy you have, but it's not like it's, these guys can eat, you know, they're probably looking for that, you know, right. There's no, a steak. There's no golden corral <laughs> in North Korea, you know, great. Cause they're just like, they had a fill, you know. Everybody knows that, you know, a wrestler to go bag is your fanny pack Mm -hmm. and you go to a buffet for that first meal, but you also make sandwiches and you stuff it in your fanny pack for later on in the Mm -hmm. car ride home. That's your second meal. I seriously doubt that that was happening. I don't know what the Korean delicacies were there. Yeah. But it probably wasn't what they were used to. And I seriously doubt they were getting the protein intake that they're they're used to happening. Mm -hmm. So on top of just like being scared and in a foreign country, they were probably hangry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> on top of that yeah it's like it's like look scott norton's used to having like 500 grams of protein a day and he you know he can't even get a good steak yeah and so of course he's gonna be a little hangry i mean folks are starving over there yeah <laughs> that's not funny i don't know why i laughed at that but no folks are starving over there and they you know these guys are huge yeah i can see why it was uh, attempted to do that and it, un- unfortunately it didn't accomplish what Anoki wanted to do he still kind of lost his uh his political bid but props to Anoki for trying to make it happen because he also did a, a show in the U.S. that was basically he was trying to get all the different promotions that were feuding uh he ran a show in California to try to bring everybody together but there's just something about wrestlers just you know especially at that time just not trusting each other yeah you know always feeling like they're gonna get screwed you know like you know, we were talking about Hogan earlier that's always kind of protecting himself because he's always going to get screwed. Yeah. So to be in that environment, you can't have that mentality of just like you're going to get screwed by your brother because you need them. You need the 
the guys there to kind of watch your back. Yeah. I thought it was interesting that one of the names that was brought up was Michael Jackson. As far as what? <laughs> as to bring him over as the talent of just like, oh. yeah, because that was one of the names being dropped. And it just like. I mean, he was still huge in the 90s. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess that could have, I don't know what kind of experience that he would have had over <laughs> over there and what they would have made and how he would have factored in. Cause he's one of the few celebrities. I don't think he ever had that, uh, run in with like pro wrestling. Like they never used him. So Muhammad Ali made a lot more sense. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> he made a lot more sense. Wow. But. Now I'm doubling back to this whole movie idea. What a great movie this would be. Yeah. Right. And especially considering, uh, you know, the folks in the crowd, what was it? 101,000. No, it was like a hundred closer to. Oh, it was closer to two hundred thousand. Two hundred thousand folks who'd never even seen or heard of wrestling, had no idea what to make of it, and then they're able to get them into it. What a great scene that would be! Oh yeah, that definitely would have. I think you can get that Argo vibe mm-hmm. of just like having these like smuggle these guys, and you might have to add like a story, but it didn't sound like too far from the truth that there was a couple of almost international incidents of just like. Look, you know, especially back then, man, the, the boys were always looking to get in trouble. Yeah. Like they talk about now. It's like, oh, no, these guys, you know, these kids just go back to their, you know, back to their hotel room and they hook up their PlayStations or they play games on their phone. Where back then there was, it was like, you know, you were on Space Mountain with Ric Flair. Yeah. And there was no cell phones yet with cameras that no. could film everything that was going on at the bar. Yeah. You know? No, absolutely not. I mean, 1995, I can speak for it. Like, my fanny pack had a beeper in it. Because <laughs> I was just like, that's where... And I was I was proud that I was just like, you know, my beep, beeper has voicemail. So if I don't return your beep, you can leave a message. Nice. <laughs> so I can just go in there and do that. And that was, that was, my, that was my landline on the go. <laughs> but yeah, I'd like to see that movie because you can probably uh, involve Ted Turner. Because back then, you know, Turner owned WCW. Sure. And he... You know, obviously his wife at the time, Jane Fonda, she was very active in politics, right? She got very active. She was active in the whole uh, Vietnam War. Uh-huh. What do you think? You know, and obviously, you know, Bischoff kind of kayfade everybody on it and didn't tell anybody. But what would Ted Turner just like would have thought that, you know, he some of his biggest stars <laughs> and his moneymaker just went over to North Korea? You would think they'd have some idea maybe and might. Wouldn't they be a little more knowledgeable about international relations and say, like, Eric, hey, um, <laughs> yeah. you know what North Korea is, right? You know how it is over there, right? <laughs> it's not you, – you've, you've looked it up. I get the feeling, like, at the time, Bischoff probably had no idea what North Korea was like. There was no movies about North Korea back then. No, no. You know, there was no YouTube videos. I think that the fact um, that it was such a repressive state was a flew a little bit under the ra- radar for most people. Oh yeah, you know? I think so. I, agree. I mean, you'd get those, you'd get those. You know, everybody saw Rocky Four, right? So we had an idea how Russia was, but there was no, there was no Rocky Five where they went to North Korea. So it just, there's, it just, I feel like he, that Bischoff probably didn't understand what he was getting into. Yeah, no, he probably didn't, like you said. And was, there was—I oh, I feel like if Ted Turner was around, someone should have known. Someone should have said, "Hey, you might want to look into this a little bit. You might want to do some research. <laughs> Maybe get on Yelp or whatever <laughs> and check it out." But yeah, yeah I can. Would Flair or Noki deliver the? Uh, if I can, I can change, change, you can, can change. change, everyone, everyone can, can change. change. Woo! 